This is Putting Numbers to Work from MetLife, where complex data from the benefits landscape is distilled into lessons employers can immediately put into action. Now here's your host, Marcus Smallwood. Welcome to MetLife's podcast, Putting Numbers to Work, where experts take complex ideas from across the benefit research landscape and distill them into lessons employers can put into action. Hi, I'm Marcus Smallwood, Regional Vice President within Group Benefit Sales here at MetLife. We're excited to launch our second season of our podcast and want to say thank you to our subscribers and our listeners. Now, we know that HR professionals are inundated with new stories and emerging trends that help predict radical shifts in employee expectations and how organizations need to change to stay competitive. It's hard to know who to trust, what's hype, what's real, and what's going to have an impact. This show will give you the data, confidence, and practical advice you need to help stay competitive and build a stronger, more productive, and holistically healthy workforce. Today, I'm speaking with Jeremy Hyman's best-selling author and entrepreneur, the co-founder and chairman of Purpose, a social business that helps nonprofits, philanthropies, and companies around the world to build and support movements to advance the fight for an open, just, and habitable world. Jeremy and I will discuss the importance of a purposeful work, why it's dangerous to take a one-size-fits-all approach to purpose, how purpose can help employers demonstrate care to their employees, and much, much more. Jeremy, I thought we would kick off, and you're the perfect person for this. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and becoming the leader that you are today and what drove you to starting your company, Purpose. Yeah, well, great to be with you and really looking forward to this conversation. My journey is a little bit of an unusual one. From a very young age, I was an activist. I wanted to figure out ways of shaping the world around me. I grew up in Australia, moved to the US as a young adult, but from a very young age, I was working on campaigning for climate change before it was even called that, when it was called the greenhouse effect and many other issues. And so I did that. And part of that work was working across the sectors. I worked with other activists in civil society. I would work with governments and lobbying. And I would also, of course, work with companies who were a key voice that could be deployed on the issues that I worked. And so I started a series of organizations, essentially about movement building, mobilizing people. And then I decided to create Purpose. And Purpose is sort of the home for this kind of work, right? And when we first called it Purpose, people weren't really using the word Purpose in quite the way that they are now. And so in that sense, we sort of helped a little bit to build the field and define what purpose meant. Because one of the things that purpose did from the very beginning was work with companies to do more than just have what at that time were very traditional CSR strategies or worse, they would fund the arts and would have nothing to do with their core business. We love the arts, but they weren't doing work that really embedded their social impact and their core business and combined them in a way that made sense. So we felt like there was a big opportunity and there was also a big opportunity to help rally corporates who were doing the right thing to some of the larger fights that we needed help with, like climate change, human rights, and many others. So that's one of the reasons we started Purpose. And we began working with some of those pioneering companies, companies like Unilever and Nike, who were doing some of the most interesting work in those early years, bringing this concept of purpose alive. And so that's a little bit of the backstory. We also work across many, many issues with activists, with civil society, with philanthropies in those fights. And so that gives us a really interesting view of the landscape. 
and thinking about the unlikely coalitions that you need to pull together in order to actually change things, right? Because simply getting everybody who already agrees to say, I agree, doesn't get you very far, right? And so our work is all about those unusual audiences, the people who need to be persuaded, and using these different forms of power in order to build, as we say, a more open, a more just, and a more habitable world, which is a fight in this era. Wow. I tell you, it sounds like we have a true pioneer here. You're doing great work. And today, this fits in perfectly for us because, say, we're going to delve into the importance of purposeful work. Given that you're the expert behind this, you've been doing it for so long, I think we should start broad. And I think our audience would really like to understand, what does just the word purpose mean to you in the simplest terms? Yeah. I mean, I think purpose really is about connecting what you do to a larger contribution, to a contribution that goes beyond the four walls of the organization or the institution, and a contribution that is rooted in making the world better. So to me, that's what purpose is about, but purpose can operate at the individual level. So it's very important for every individual who's part of an enterprise, right, to have a purpose that can partly be rooted in their own values, but that also needs to be connected to that larger organizational purpose. And ideally, those things are aligned. They're not always going to be, right? The things that motivate an individual are going to be different sometimes from the kind of organizational logic of where an organization is best positioned to have impact. But where you can sort of bring those things together, that's where I think the magic happens. Yeah, there can be magic in that. I did want to share that here at MetLife, we recently released our annual benefit trend study and our 2023 report identified purposeful work as a key pillar to helping employees feel cared for, which ultimately drives higher job satisfaction and employee happiness. I have always said a happy employee is a loyal employee. And when that loyalty comes through, productivity truly rises. Now, what we've seen, though, is a push for purpose in the workplace rise exponentially over the last few years. And in fact, the latest study found only 30% of employees without purposeful work said they intended to be with their organization in 12 months. That compared to in 2021, that figure was 53%. So what factors do you think have contributed to this increase in the need for purpose? That research is really striking, and it really is consistent with everything that we see. There's a few elements to that. I think one, there's no doubt that younger generations, but not only young people, have come to see what they do every day at work and their fundamental values and beliefs about how the world should be as needing to be in harmony. And that's, you know, potentially a historical shift where for most people, historically, a job was a job. A job wasn't necessarily a place to litigate the issues that face larger society. It wasn't necessarily a place that you expected to find alignment with those values, right? It was a job. And I think what's happening now is that in an age, particularly in the United States, but all over the world, where the kind of boundaries between work and personal life are breaking down a little bit, not always a good thing, but that's kind of what's happening, that this is a place where people want to exercise agency. I wrote a book, as you know, with Henry Timms called New Power. And New Power is all about this idea of people's hunger to participate in the 21st century. Now that everybody has in their pockets the means of participation and the way that's changed values and mindsets. And we talk a lot about the workplace in this book. And you know, I think one of the findings is that 
because you're getting so many opportunities now to participate in other forms of life, right? We're all on social media. We're getting validation every day from that. We're interacting with people. We're creating our own content. So then if we come to a workplace and the workplace doesn't give us any of that, it gives us none of those feedback loops. We write an amazing report and we hear back from our boss a month later with a one-line email, thank you. That's very different to the experience of posting something on Instagram and getting all your friends telling you how wonderful you are, right? So there's a lot of dynamics. So there's a cultural dynamic, which is like people wanting to feel like their work life is more aligned with the other participatory experiences that they're having. And that doesn't necessarily have to connect to values. And then there's a values question, which is people are seeing the workplace as a locus, as a venue to express their values, and they expect their workplaces to be a place that mirrors their core beliefs. And that's exciting and positive in a lot of ways, but it's also pretty complicated for companies, and it requires a lot of a new territory to navigate. It really does. And a lot has changed over the last three years, right, Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely three and a half years ago, you got up, you came to work, you did your job, you may have been happy in your job. Even if you weren't happy in your job, you were getting a paycheck and you kind of just did what you were asked to do. And since the pandemic, it's clear that people have readjusted their mindset about work and what it means to them. And like you said, that blend of in the workplace, out of the workplace, coming together. And we saw the great resignation. People have really been bold and clearly articulating what they want and what they expect out of work in their life. You mentioned younger generations. Maybe we touch on Gen Z and like decision-making, for example. Our latest employee benefit trend study report found that this generation considers purposeful work particularly important. And half of Gen Z workers cite their employer having a clear purpose and a positive impact on community as a must-have benefit when considering a new role. Why do you think this is the case? Well, look, I think Gen Z particularly are, they don't have many of them, even that pre-pandemic context, right? And so I think some of the social engagement that we all got pre-pandemic from that in-person experience, the water cooler conversations, the social interactions that happened in that very organic way. So those are now happening on Slack. They're happening virtually in different channels more, right? I mean, it's a hybrid situation that we're in now. So I think there's part of that dynamic does lend itself to more discussions about, okay, is something big has happened in the world and now the whole organization virtually can coordinate around how should we respond to this, right? Which maybe was a little different in a world that was more decentralized and atomized because people were in their offices having the same conversations over the water cooler. But now like everyone can have a big conversation about these issues. So I think that's one dynamic. I think Gen Z in particular have grown up with this purposeful DNA. Like I think that's much more for older workers. They've seen that transition from a mindset where work was work to a mindset where work needed to involve purpose. And I think a lot of Gen Z folks have spent their lives from a very young age being engaged in social movements, right? They were there at that moment, so three years ago now, where George Floyd was murdered, and we saw this extraordinary social movement happen all over the country and all over the world in support of racial justice. They were there when the Me Too movement brought about some really significant shifts in attitudes toward power and abuse of power by men. So 
these younger workers, but not just younger workers, are spending their lives in these debates, in these fights. And so when they show up to work, if the company is sort of ignoring an injustice, that just doesn't square with their lived experience and who they are. And so it's not at all surprising that companies are seeing a lot of that shift and that the data that you mentioned is showing that. Yeah, it really is. When thinking about what purposeful work means, I loved how we started off and you shared your definition of purpose. I can see how one person's definition might look completely different than another's. And in 2023, our study outlined some generational differences between this meaning, how you just mentioned, you know, the younger employees are looking for stances on social and political issues while older generations are seeking personal purpose. But how might other unique experiences impact one's meaning of purposeful work? And honestly, Jeremy, what I'd like to get to is like, why do you think it might be dangerous for an employer to take a one-size-fits-all approach to purpose? Every workforce is going to be very heterogeneous. So you're not going to have everybody showing exactly the same values or exactly the same positions on every issue. So just to sort of dissect that a little bit on this question of whether corporates and how corporates should take positions on social and political issues. My view on this is that they should, when it's core to the identity of the company and it's core to their values or it's core to the safety and dignity of their workers, right, of their employees. So that to me should be the anchor. So for example, I thought when Nike chose to really take a stand on racial justice and policing with their Colin Kaepernick campaign, they made a very intentional choice because that was core, right? For them, their values are They've got to get behind the athlete. And this was an athlete who was taking a very bold and very brave stance. And so it made sense for them as a matter of core values and given who they are and who their consumer base is to say, even if this upsets a section of the population, this is something that we're going to really stand on principle around. And ultimately, they benefited from that decision. But, you know, companies are not political parties. So having a position on every issue isn't necessarily going to be the right approach. But when something really affects the safety and dignity of your own employees, another example would be reproductive rights. There's no world in which if you're a company that is in a state where reproductive rights are at risk, that's a direct challenge to the safety and dignity of your employees. And so the companies that stood up in that moment and said, we're going to like protect our employees, we're going to do everything we can to enable them to have access to this, that was the right decision for those companies. And it was the right thing to do. But the problem is we're now in this environment that is such a, we call these new power dynamics, right? Where you've got the culture wars and you've got from every direction, this kind of conflict and cacophony. Unless you stand on core values and know what those values are, then you get easily destabilized. As we've seen with Target on LGBT rights, where a kind of fringe protest really destabilized them and prevented them from standing on what should have been, I think, core values. So there's a set of questions there. And then there's a set of questions to your point about those workers who don't want or who don't necessarily think of purpose as being social and political issues. And for them, I think a lot of it is about that sense of contribution, as I said earlier when I defined purpose. So I'll give you an example from our book, New Power. We wrote about this extraordinary group of nurses in the Netherlands called Bertzorg. And this is a group of nurses who do home care. And the traditional, very corporatized approach to home care, you go in, you try to minimize your hours, and there's a bunch of metrics that the more traditional home care workers were given. 
these workers, these nurses were told, don't do it that way. Completely self-organize and focus on patient outcomes, focus on patient experience. And they were given a totally different set of metrics and they, they were allowed to make their own decisions in each community about how to set up a group of nurses that would provide this care. The workers we spoke to, those nurses, I've never met people who had a deeper sense of purpose, right? You could tell that they were so connected to the work they did, to the service they were doing. That was purpose embodied. And that wasn't about politics or about social issues, but it was about that sense of contribution. They knew they were making lives better. And those Burtzorg nurses outperform traditional home care, bureaucratic and corporate models every day of the week, right? Which is why they're such an interesting example. That is fascinating, right? And I think to give you another example, we've worked quite a lot with the Lego Foundation. And the Lego Foundation's mission is all about play. And actually play is an incredibly important lever for improving early childhood development. It's been proven in a lot of data to have a huge impact on outcomes. So that work, they've made a deep commitment to that issue. We helped them work all over the world on this, places like Colombia, Rwanda, where play, there aren't playgrounds in many cases. There isn't government policy to support this. And for a Lego employee, seeing the foundation make that commitment and do that work that is deep, that is long-term, is really interesting. It's really meaningful. And it may not be what that individual employee is working on, but that sense that there is a larger commitment and a commitment that really makes sense, that really ties into what the core mission of the company is, that's very meaningful. Powerful examples that you shared there. I wish I could meet some of these nurses too, because I could tell they really have bought in to the purpose of what they're doing and they're seeing the outcomes from it. You also are bringing in a new audience. My nine-year-old son, I'll let him know that I heard about Legos today and he's going to want to listen to this podcast, <laughs> which is going to be pretty exciting too. But I tell you, as employers seek to create diverse and inclusive teams, they really can't lose sight that diversity comes with not only unique experiences, but likely need to creatively motivate differently when it comes to aligning a workforce to a common purpose. And, and, and you, you gave us some great examples. At MetLife, I like to say that I bleed MetLife Blue. I have a passion for what we do and more importantly, why we do it. And it's because, you know, for over 155 years, MetLife has protected people around the globe and been there during the moments that matter the most. MetLife Associates, just like me, we wake up every single day with a clear understanding that we are in this business of making and keeping long-term promises and fulfilling a commitment to protecting families, businesses, and the communities in which we serve, and that we bring a purpose to life. And it's because of this core purpose, right, which is always with you building a more confident future, sustainability at MetLife means sustaining people's lives. When you have a strong and powerful purpose that everyone can get behind and they feel like they're making a difference, I strongly believe that we can come together collectively and head it in the same direction. Now, I think MetLife's done a great job, and I'm not just saying that because I'm wearing the logo today, but unfortunately, I think there's a perception gap between how employers and their employees feel about purposeful work. And our study shows this, a full 84% of employers say their employees are satisfied with the purposeful work they provide. However, only 71% of employees report having a strong sense of purpose at work. More concerning is that only 34% of employers say they plan to offer purposeful work as a means to attract or attain talent in the future. 
So how can employees feel more empowered to ask for purpose as a benefit that they feel that they're missing? And who should they talk to as well? Depends on the organization. But I think one thing I would say is it's so important for companies to open up that dialogue and to create opportunities for employees to participate in these debates about purpose. How should the company express its purpose? Is the company living up to its values? You've got to do that, and you've got to do that affirmatively. Now, if you don't do that, you have things like the walkout that happened at Google some years back, right, where there were revelations about the company paying off sexual harassers, etc. There was a sense that this was not what Google was about. This was a breach of values. They were off track on their purpose, and there was actually a coordinated employee walkout. So you've got to have the conversations both at the individual level, right? An individual who says, I don't feel like I have enough purpose and there needs to be a track to whether it's HR within the company, whether it's the ability for them to really feel comfortable saying that to a senior executive. So there's the individual level, but there's also the collective level. If you don't have that dialogue about these issues, about how power works within the organization along many dimensions. It may be race, it may be gender, it may be sexual orientation, it may be other forms of power. That conversation can't be swept under the carpet. Otherwise, you're going to get a dynamic where legitimacy and trust is lost. So you've got to build that in, right? If there are big conversations happening out in the world, you can't avoid them. You've got to have those conversations and see how they're playing out within an organization and structure for that kind of participation. Jeremy, let's conclude with the main takeaways for our listeners here. How can employers demonstrate care through purposeful work? The number one thing is take the project of your own corporate purpose really seriously. Don't think about it as a promotional exercise or a marketing exercise, but think about it as the serious work of connecting your business with how your business can best contribute to society. So there has to be that nexus between what the business does and what that contribution is. And then think about how it can ladder all the way from the external work that a company is doing out in the world, all the way down to an individual on the front lines, like one of your associates, who can feel connected to that purpose, have some way of contributing to it. And it needs to feel coherent and it needs to feel real and it needs to be long-term. You don't change the world in a six-month marketing blitz, right? You change the world through thinking very intentionally about a company like MetLife has a lot of power, a lot of leverage in its own industry, in the world. You're a major insurer. So the question for MetLife becomes, okay, what, what's our unique contribution? And how do we build a structure that enables everybody to actually meaningfully participate in that? And then how do we do that over many years? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the work never stops, right? We got to continue to learn and we got to continue to evolve. Jeremy, I want to say you've been absolutely fantastic. I want to say thank you not only for joining us today and giving us your insight on purposeful work, but also just thank you for all that you're doing. You're having an impact. Your company's having an impact. And it just helped me sleep better at night that there's people like you that are have the energy and the deliberation to go out there and make a difference in our world. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Marcus, thank you so much and really enjoyed this conversation. It's been a really rich one.
Well, that's it for today's episode. I want to say thank you again to Jeremy for joining us today and helping discuss findings from MetLife's Employee Benefit Trend Study, along with the excellent work that he and his team are doing over at Purpose. If you've enjoyed this conversation, which we hope that you have, make sure that you subscribe to Putting Numbers to Work and leave us a review. Tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. Again, I'm Marcus Smallwood, and this has been Putting Numbers to Work, presented by MetLife. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.